This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And a very good Sunday morning to you. It's nice to see Jessica here. Good morning. Good morning. Did you watch the coronation yesterday? I did not. Uh, well, I, I, you know what? I didn't get up that early. Well, I, I did, but then I went back to bed, but I... I recorded it. Okay. So sure. last night I was kind of, you know, just flipping through the good parts. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you can't beat a gold carriage, right? I, were you one of those little girls who wanted to grow up and be princess? Well, I definitely watched like the Disney movies and I played with Barbies a lot, but I don't, I don't know if I'd say I wanted to be a princess. I think I just liked the idea of this is... This is pretend. I See, I, 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 wanted to, I, I always wanted to be queen. That was, that was just me. Sort of like Camilla. And I don't know if you've uh, checked out social media where they've got the picture of Camilla in the crown. And it says, to all the side chicks out there, never give up hope. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, think about that one. Anyway, millions of people around the world watched the coronation of King Charles yesterday. And I had the opportunity to speak with somebody who actually knows him personally and i even asked her about prince harry so we're gonna have that a little bit later on this morning also we hear from an advertising guru about bud light's controversial move of having a transgender spokesperson and uh before you order flowers for mothers are you ordering for, for your mom that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, but need to, well, need to wait. figure out where though. Well, <laughs> that's and that's the thing. key. We're gonna we're gonna talk with consumer expert Rochelle Reinen, and that's exactly what she says. You gotta watch out, especially if you're doing it out of town. She's got some good tips for you. Mark Cass is gonna be here. He's got thoughts about whether firing Coach Bud will affect the Bucks from a business perspective. Also, Matt Miller is gonna be talking about the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie. We're gonna look back at the week in review. As we said, Jessica's here. All morning. Uh, Dominic Catronio talks sports and, of course, that Kentucky Derby winner, as well as uh, Greg, Craig Council getting thrown out of the uh, game yesterday. And, of course, Isaac's here pushing buttons. But first, if you ever wondered if food from McDonald's could be elevated to please a gourmet palate, it's one of the most popular events of the season. It's Sharp Literacies Unwrapped. Joining us is Linda Kohler. And Linda, this is coming up on May 18th. May 18th, yes, from 5 to 8 at The Gage in West Dallas. Ooh, tell us who's participating this year. We have a really, really awesome group of chefs. We have Chef Brent Davis of Bacchus, which is a Bartolotta restaurant. And he's doing a braised lamb and beef shepherd's pie with honey poached carrots, English peas, and a beef dummy glaze. Wow. We have Chef, I know, I know. This is, I think, the best year. We have Chef Tom McGiddy from the Milwaukee Athletic Club, and they're doing a savory Salisbury steak with luscious truffled potatoes and a sauce gian. They've just really done themselves this year and so just really, really creative. And then we have Chef Ashton Rotman of Rot's Hot's Food Truck this year, and this one sounds really, really good. Savory and sweet chili honey chicken and waffle sandwich with crispy hash browns. My mouth we is have, watering. Um, I mean, I, I, I I'm, every one. every time we know Ashton, obviously, here from ESPN, but yes, oh my gosh, okay. And then you've got something with funnel cakes? Yeah, Chef Brian Taborski of Vaz's Hospitality. We have a McGriddle funnel cake sundae with cream and glaze and chocolate caramel drizzle topped with vanilla ice cream and whipped cream. Oh. Um, I know. And then we have Chef Peter Snow of Ward's House of Prime, and they're doing a sweet and sour chicken stir fry. 
And then we have Chef Amanda with from Lemon Yay, which a mixed stick, a crispy fillet fish on a stick, and lemon aioli and scallion cilantro tots. Now, we just have to remind everybody, these are all created from dishes that you normally can order at the counter at McDonald's. Exactly. These are, they get a list of ingredients, pages and pages of ingredients. And then they just use their creativity. And this year we put a little bit of a twist on it. We've asked the chefs to reflect on their childhood and reimagine an elevated version of that dish for the event. So you can kind of see how some of these have really, really, really done a a good job of reimagining. And again, these are all so different than anything that we've had in the past. Well, and what's best about this is all of the proceeds go to the work you do at Sharp Literacy. Absolutely. This event will be probably sold out by the time that May 18th comes. And yeah, the proceeds will help us advance our mission and be able to serve more kids, especially the summer. We have an all-time high number of students, so we want to make sure that we don't turn anybody away, that everybody that wants to will be able to participate in our program. And we can do this at a really low cost because of our partners. McDonald's donates all of the ingredients. We have Beer Capital that helps us out. They donate all the beer. We have Breakthrough Beverages that donates the wine and the bourbon this year. So many just in-kind donations. So it really keeps our costs down so we can raise more money and help our mission and our kids. Well, like you said, it's usually a sellout, but there are still tickets available for Unwrap Milwaukee. And this is on Thursday, May 18th from 5 until 8 at the Gage. How can we get tickets? The best way is to go on sharpliteracy.org. And the tickets are only $100, and it's really all you can eat and lots of beverages, mocktail, cocktail, specialty drinks, all for $100. And it obviously goes to just a really, really great cause, our kids. And you get to meet all the wonderful people who attend. Linda Kohler from Sharp Literacy, always great to have you here. Yes, thank you so much. We appreciate it. It's going to be a beautiful day, almost like summer. Sunshine, oh, temperatures getting up there in the mid-70s, maybe hitting 80 in some places. But then, of course, it's going to all get messed up because we may get some showers later on today. Uh, But anyway, it's not so bad right now. Our temperature's very mild around the area. Currently in Milwaukee, we have 62 degrees at 814. And we're just a minute away from Dominic Antonio on Sports right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. From Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky, the 149th Kentucky Derby has its new champion. Larry Colmas on NBC with the call. Next up, it's the Preakness Stakes in two weeks on May 20th. Now over to the Brewers. They cannot catch a break right now. They have lost six consecutive games. Saturday falling by a 4-1 final to the Giants. In this game, manager Craig Council was ejected for the second time this season. He took a moment after the game to reflect on just this streak. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, we've got to do a better job. We're not scoring runs. We're not scoring enough runs. So the the, the defensive, you know, everything's got to be perfect kind of on the other areas. And, and it just has we haven't been. So the offense, 
you know, we, all areas can help. Certainly offense taking a little pressure off the other areas is, is a way to get some wins. The Brewers finish their series with the Giants today. First pitches at 315. Our coverage will start at 2 o'clock with Brewers warm-up. Two NBA playoff games yesterday. First, the Heat took control of their series against the Knicks, a 105-86 victory. Miami now leads that series two games to one. And out in Los Angeles, the Lakers flash a little bit of showtime at the end of the half. Russell to inbound it. Got it into AD. Driving to the rim. In! And the Lakers lead by double digits at halftime. Los Angeles 59. Golden State 48. John Ireland on the call for Lakers Radio. L.A. now leads with a 2-1 series advantage after a 127-97 victory. Today you got two more playoff games. First, the Celtics and the 76ers in Philly. Boston currently leading that series 2-1. That game tips at 2-30. And then tonight at 7 o'clock, it'll be the Phoenix Suns hosting the Nuggets, trying to level that series. Denver leads 2-1. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. I'm Libby Collins. And coming up in just a couple minutes, we're going to hear from Mark Cass from the Milwaukee Business Journal. Do you think we're going to have a tax, a sales tax increase in Milwaukee and Milwaukee County? Well, he's got some thoughts on that. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Right now, 62 degrees at 818. It actually was really nice to walk outside this morning. You're starting to feel like it's almost summer. As a matter of fact, it is going to be kind of that way today because we're going to get into the mid-70s, maybe even close to 80 if you're further inland under mostly sunny skies. And then I I got some patchy fogs. That's when we've got that chance of showers and thunderstorms later on today and this evening. Those will continue into tomorrow morning under mostly cloudy skies. We're going to really drop down to 56 for a high today, or high tomorrow, I should say. So enjoy today. Then Tuesday gets a little nicer. It'll be sunny around 60 to 65 inland. Uh, Wednesday, more of the same. Sunny and uh, up to about 70 degrees. And Thursday, guess what? Mostly sunny and a high of 73. Currently, as you're waking up around Wisconsin on this Sunday morning in Kenosha, you've got 59 degrees. Oconomowoc's at 63. Mequon, you're at 60 degrees. And we have 61 degrees at WTMJ at 821. And it's time to check in with Mark Cass, editor-in-chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal. Well, Mark, I know just a couple weeks ago we were talking about the excitement about the Bucks and the playoffs. And you said, you know, it's all about business. And here a couple days ago we heard about Coach Bud being released. Is that going to have any impact on the business side of the Bucks? I think it will over the next couple of weeks. Uncertainty never helps sales, and obviously the Bucks have some time here, unfortunately. We all thought it was going to be a long playoff run. We all thought it would be a huge economic impact. That's not occurring. But I think all depending on who they hire, what they have to do over the next few months is they have to create excitement again. they got to create interest in the team, more excitement, more energy. That's what sells seats. That's what sells sponsorships. That's what helps them around the arena. And then who they hire as coach is important to that. I mean, we all knew Coach Bud. It's a lot of respect for what he did and what he accomplished over the years. And you know what? He won. And what have I always said to you, Libby? Winning is important to teams because it brings in money. It's important to fans, and we support winners here very much so in Milwaukee. So there's no doubt there'll be a lot of eyes on them as to who they choose as a new coach. And if there's excitement on that and what it means for them next season. Yeah, it's all about the Benjamins. And that's what they're saying you at know, City Benjamins. Hall, aren't that's they? A lot yeah, of Benjamins, you like that? Right? Yeah. They're saying they need more of those Benjamins, so they're going to increase that sales tax for the city of Milwaukee and the county just to pay for pensions and other expenses. Where's all that standing? 
Boy, this is something. We thought maybe it was heading in that direction about a week or two ago when the Republicans and the mayor of Milwaukee and the county executive worked out something that looked like they could get this accomplished. Now, Evers has said he would veto that just because of the requirements it would put on the city, and he also feels it's not enough. So not just here in Milwaukee, throughout the state. Be interesting to see how it plays out over the next couple of weeks and next couple of months through the budget process. You know, I often say it's hard to watch what goes on in Madison. It's very important to us. The end result is important to us, but kind of watching what goes on up there is like kind of watching you make sausage, right? You don't want to see how it's made, but in the end, it really impacts you. Mm. So this will be interesting because the other key thing here, Libby, that's been talked about is if they have approval for the sales tax for both the city and the county, will it be approved by the county board and the common council, or will it go through a referendum, as has been talked about for years? All of a sudden, the city and county leaders saying, hey, wait a second, maybe this is kind of confusing. It's kind of complex for all the residents of the area. Maybe we should just have the people who were elected vote on it. I know there are a lot of others who believe it should be a referendum. It should be the voters of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County who decide if the sales is going to be raised. So this is important to the city from a financial standpoint, the county from a financial standpoint, but is nowhere near close to happening yet. And there's just a lot of sausage left to be made. Let's talk about those county officials. There are some of them that want to block county money for those planned improvements at American Family field. How's that going to impact that state bill? This is something that I just talked about in terms of the sausage being made, right? This is an effort that the state leaders have said, okay, if we're going to help the brewers and help the stadium, we need support from the city. We need support from the county, similar to what happened with the arena in 2016, where it was a partnership of the three, the state, the county, and the city, who all added money to that thing to make it happen. Well, they're saying that should happen here. Now, the county obviously has its own issues in terms of finances, as does the city. Is there enough money there, and will they allocate it? And some of the county people are already saying, well, no, but it's more important for us to do the other things like parks transit, other things that impact our residents more directly as compared to a stadium. I've said this all along. This is going to be a hard sell. It's hard to convince somebody in Hurley and Eau Claire to support the team. Sometimes it's hard to convince people in Milwaukee. How do you support a team where the players make millions of dollars or the owners worth millions of dollars? This is going to be a tough one. I think in the end it will happen, but this one's a long ways to go and it's going to play out throughout the summer. All right. Let's talk about real estate. Kenosha, they're talking about, what, a 735-unit, $500 million subdivision. What are the details on that one? This one's fascinating to me because for years you and I have talked about all the companies who have come up from Illinois, right? They've all moved from early Illinois into the Racine area, into the Kenosha area, all near I-94. And now you have jobs there, right? You have all these jobs. Well, these people that work there need the places to live. So you're seeing more housing coming online in Kenosha and in Racine. This is something that should occur. It's great for the area. And it's also a mix of housing, which I like. It's affordable housing. It's middle-class housing, and it's on the luxury end. So you have a real mix for those of people who want to live there. I often talk about the people who want to live near work, and we have that issue throughout the Milwaukee area. Sometimes there's not enough jobs in the city or housing in the suburbs to meet the job requirements. So here's a case where they're putting the housing near the jobs. Maybe this means, Libby, and I think this is a good thing, is that we can draw more of the residents who live in Illinois up in to Wisconsin so they can live in our great state and they can help to be part of it. Because who wants to live in Illinois anyways, right? I mean, I mean <laughs> who wants to Cubs, pay? The White no. Sox. Who, wa- just, who wants to pay their taxes? Yeah, right? I was going to say, who wants to pay Illinois taxes? Been right. there, so done that. Isn't uh, that something that mm. should be good for us to draw up those people to live near where they work? Mm, no kidding. All right. Now, let's talk about being close to things that we love. And here at WTMJ, we love being close to that Third Street Market Hall. Yeah, I and, think I've seen you. You have your own oh, chair out there, don't you? I, <laughs> I mean, is your name my on own one table. of the chairs? Yeah, like, I've got my own you're table. Like Norm. When you walk in, they yell, Libby, Libby's here. <laughs> I, know, I know what goes on there. Uh, well, anyway, let's talk about the full occupancy. And wow, what yeah. a mix of great places to eat. 
It's really worked out well. I think there were some individuals that thought it might not work. It has worked real well. Omar and Josh and the others there deserve a ton of credit for what's occurred there and the traffic it's created, the energy it's created. And it's become almost an incubator for small restaurants to start, to spend some time there, to draw in their fans, to create a customer base, and then move out. But right now they have all kinds of stuff. And you think back just a couple years to the Grand Avenue, which we all kind of remember it as that, and what that was like how quiet it was during the day, and now you have all that activity just happening there throughout the day. It's happening into the evening. You have energy, something I've talked about all the time, right, on West Wisconsin Avenue, what's going on there. And the Third Street Market Hall is a big part of that. And it's also been great for you because you and all your colleagues get to eat, right? So it's mm. all a win-win, isn't it? I'll tell you, Sunday mornings when we're here, I am amazed how many people bring their families, yeah. sort of do a Sunday brunch, enjoy yeah. some of the fun things they can do. It, it is a hopping place. Which is something that wasn't occurring before, was it? You wouldn't no? see these people come to the heart of downtown on a Sunday morning to have brunch in the avenue. To me, that is a great example of the traffic it's added right to the heart of the city. Yeah, well, let's you and I meet for brunch a little bit later on this morning. I like that. You're going to buy I heard, right? Me and all the people who are with me, right? Uh, I, I, with the big bucks you make? Are you kidding? Oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez, I was thrown off the bus really quickly on that one, wasn't uh, I? <laughs> hey, Mark, always great to talk with you. All right, Libby, it's good to talk to you. Have a great week. 828 and 61 degrees at WTMJ. Hey, welcome back. I'm Libby Collins at Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Next hour, kind of looking forward to this. I, I talked with her. Oh, boy. A couple of months ago, I think it was around Christmas time, uh, author Philippa Gregory. And if you read historical novels, you know her because she's written everything from the other Boleyn Girl, which became a movie, and a lot of others. Very, I mean, she's very prolific. But she's a, she's a historian as well as an author, and she actually knows King Charles and other members of the royal family. And I asked her about him, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show during the 9 o'clock hour. Currently, it's uh, 8.36, and it was quite a week with gun violence. From local freeways to downtown Atlanta, there was, of course, that countdown to a new monarch, and Coach Bud was shown the door. There was so much more, too. It's the Week in Review, brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. May 1st is International Workers Day. By providing in-state tuition equity for undocumented, undocumented, and DACA students, we can give them the opportunity to pursue their dreams, their swings. New information on a police shooting in Greenfield. The driver fighting Greenfield officers who tried to arrest him, saying he had a gun and threatening to shoot them before injuring one officer and fleeing on foot. Multiple people hurt after a reckless driver slammed into a parked school bus in Milwaukee. For somebody to not really care and to recklessly drive and hit another school bus and kids, that's just harmful. Milwaukee Police Department said a 15-year-old girl and a 14-year-old girl were arrested in connection to the incident. This is the Wisconsin's Afternoon News Coronation Countdown. Adam Von Gutkin is the co-founder and CEO of High Clare Castle Gin. It's incredibly celebratory. London is absolutely stunning right now. The Union Jack is flowing over the street. And now, another inside look at the planning committee for the King's coronation. Would it be entirely out of order to have His Majesty dance the gritty? I show you out of order. We honor and respect 
Gordon Lightfoot, 84 years old. You can call me a survivor of the folk era if you like. I wish there were many of us. The placards are up. Writers got to get their pay. But the writers' pencils are down. And the late shows? Thank you for watching. Thank you for joining. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Welcome, everybody. Reruns only. The Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office is investigating after a man was shot and killed on the Fond du Lac Freeway this morning. There has got to be a better way to solve whatever problem you may have with uh, someone else without uh, pulling a weapon. They're now advising the active shooter, person shot. Police in Atlanta searching for a gunman in the city's downtown after authorities say he started shooting at a medical facility earlier today. The former U.S. service member who police believe was the active shooter is in custody this morning. We live in a state and in a nation where people have easy and wide access to firearms that are used to kill fellow Americans. Russia blaming the U.S. for the alleged drone attack on the Kremlin, claiming without any evidence it was an attempt to kill Vladimir Putin. Governor Tony Evers throwing a wrench into Assembly Republicans' plans. I can't support the Republican plan as is, and frankly, I'll veto it in its entirety. If Tony Evers thinks he has any leverage in forcing the Republicans to change this bill, he's smoking some of that weed that that he wants to have. Block the wind, I'm going to roast this bone. From the WTMJ Breaking News Center, it is breaking news this afternoon. The Milwaukee Bucks confirming that they have parted ways, their words, parted ways with longtime coach Mike Budenholzer. When you lose in the first round, you can't just run it back. So the most obvious choice is to make a head coaching change. No justice! More than 40,000 UW-Madison students have signed a petition calling for a student to be expelled for using racist slurs in a video posted online. Did what she say put anybody in harm's way? And nowadays, mental health is real. Harm doesn't always have to be physical. It can also be emotional as well. What a week, eh? What a week. A bit of a, a consummation. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. It's 840, 62 degrees at WTMJ. Well, you know, next Sunday is Mother's Day. And uh, by the way, we're going to have a special show. I got a special guest coming in next week. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to say anything. Just, I have a special in-studio guests with me. Anyway, um, if you are thinking of, uh, you know, getting those flowers for mom, Isaac, are you getting flowers for mom? I don't know yet. I'm getting her something. You're out of town, so you'd have to send them to where she is because she's she's more in central Wisconsin. Well, before you make that phone call and order flowers, there's some things you need to know, especially if you're sending flowers out of town. So we're going to have that for you with a consumer expert right after this. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It's going to be quite a morning and afternoon. It's going to be pretty nice today. I mean, it feels like summer uh, this morning. Driving in, there's a guy with his boat. He's on his way to one of the lakes. You know, it's that kind of a day because it's going to be sunny with a high of 76. Now, as the day goes on, it's going to get a lot cooler near the lake. And we may have a chance of some showers or storms as the day goes on. Same thing overnight with a lot of fog down to 46. Tomorrow, a chilly day. Under mostly cloudy skies, we've got a chance of showers and a high of 56. Then Tuesday, it's going to get nice again. Sunny, 65 inland, a little bit cooler near the lake. Wednesday. 
Tuesday, mostly sunny. We'll get up to about 70 as you get away from the lake. And then on Thursday, mostly sunny with a high of 73 inland and about 68 along the lakeshore. Currently in uh, Port Washington, we have 55 degrees. The town of Aaron's at Rich is at uh, 62. Franklin has 63, and we have 61 degrees at WTMJ at 844. We all think about mom on Mother's Day and, oh, wouldn't you like to send her candy and flowers and maybe even get her some jewelry? Well, watch out before you do. Joining us is Michelle Reinen from DatCap. And you've got a warning before we order those flowers for Mother's Day. Absolutely. Those all sound like wonderful gifts and I would hope to receive them. But absolutely, we want to make sure that consumers who make those purchases end up with a delivery that they are proud of and is received by those moms out there. And the warning is to watch for those scammers who post misrepresentations online. Really, they're listing either fake businesses online or they're misrepresenting their actual location. And you as a consumer may want to be doing business with a organization that is local to your mom's community. And if there's those misrepresentations, that's not going to help you do that. And we want consumers to have those red flags to help them spot those situations. Mm, You know, that's a great suggestion. Anytime I'm sending flowers out of the area, I always do a search for florists in that area. And also I check out their reviews online too before I call them. Absolutely. And when you are doing that search, make sure you're not just finding a company that says like Greenfield Florist. You know, you want to make sure they have a local address, a brick and mortar presence, a local telephone exchange that you can engage with and ask them how the weather is when you give a call and see if it looks accurate. So you know that you are dealing with somebody local and you know, you have to ask specific questions about their delivery trucks, how far out they'll deliver, because that will help gauge if they are just a business that has that misrepresentation and they're going to call someone in the area to make your connection and deliver your flowers, or if that business is truly present and local to make that delivery with those fresh flowers for mom. And in case you think you've been scammed, Michelle, how do we get in touch with you? Call Consumer Protection Hotline at 1-800-422-7128 or go to the website at datcp.wi.gov. You're one minute away from Dominic Antonio and Sports on WTMJ. It's 846. Everything that can go wrong has gone wrong for the Brewers over this six-game losing streak after falling 4-1 to one to the Giants on Saturday. This time, Craig Council was ejected in Saturday's game after arguing one of the new rules. He took a moment after the game, what feels like every single loss has been a close game that the Brewers have been in. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's normal. Close games, uh, play here or there, um, have, has been a part of a lot of these games. Um, but that's that's a that's a baseball season and that's a baseball game, and um, so we just got to do a little bit better. The finale of this road trip is today at three fifteen. Our coverage will start at two o'clock out west with Brewers warm up. Giants will go with Ross Stripling. The Brewers with Adrian Hauser. A pair of NBA playoff games on Saturday. First, out in Miami, it was the Heat hosting the Knicks. Winner would take a one-game advantage. You know what Jimmy Butler was trying to do. Now on a switch, Robinson against Butler. Leaning in, Butler is fouled, makes it in. His first points of the quarter. He has 12 now. The call from Dave Pash on ESPN. The Heat dominate the Knicks 105-86, to and now they take a 2-1 series advantage. Jimmy Butler finished with 28 points despite the Heat only shooting 39% from the floor. 
Also on Saturday, out west, the Lakers took a 2-1 series lead, defeating the Warriors 127-97. Today, you got two more games. The Celtics visiting the 76ers, Boston holding a 2-1 advantage there. And tonight, the Nuggets visiting the Suns, also holding Denver a 2-1 lead. And of course, the 149th Kentucky Derby has come and gone. Hope you got your ticket right. Larry Collins on the call on NBC. Mage wins the Kentucky Derby. Now we'll keep an eye on him for the Preakness coming up in two weeks. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. I get so excited when I watch the Kentucky Derby. I mean, there's just something about it. When we were kids, that was a big deal in our house. We all sat around the, the TV and watched the Kentucky Derby with our parents. There's Still stays with me to this very day. All right, it's uh, and it was kind of nice that it wasn't the front runner that that won. You know, there's one kind of that they weren't expecting. That was you know, although the pundits nobody said, "Oh, Mage is going to get it." Just it, I love horses. All right, it's eight fifty. We've got uh, Matt Miller coming up. I like him pretty much too. He's seen the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Um, and I guess if you like talking raccoons, you'll love it. Uh, okay, we've got him right after this. It's 8.50 and 61 degrees at WTMJ. I don't know what's getting into you today, Isaac. We're doing disco at 8.52 in the morning, and it's time for Media Critic and Pop Culture Editor on Milwaukee.com. Matt Miller. Okay, so Matt, Isaac assures me that that song was appropriate because any old school uh, music is going to be in one of these Guardian of the Galaxy movies. Is that true? Yeah, I think that plays. I don't know if that's been in any of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, but it feels like it probably should have been. I was going to say it should be. It should be, regardless. Yeah, it fits. It yeah, fits I, next to Redbone and all those, yeah. Yeah. Sure, go ahead, Isaac. I was at Disney World back in November, and I rode the new Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster, and that song was what soundtracked my ride. There were like seven uh, possible songs that you could get. I went on it twice, and Disco Inferno was the soundtrack both times for me. Oh, so it's like a deep cut Guardians reference. Exactly. The live ride reference. Okay, yeah, well done. Well, is there going to be another Guardians of the Galaxy movie? Maybe it'll make the soundtrack. Well, or is this over now? Yeah, well, they, they, that's just it. Is this, is this it for Guardians of the Galaxy? As of right now, I mean, it's Hollywood. If it makes money, I'm sure they'll make another one. But it does set itself up to be the final Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and it's a good goodbye. It's a really well-done goodbye. Uh, it's James Gunn, the writer-director, coming back to do this one, and it, it's, it's really... He, he cares just so much. It's just a movie that you can really tell how much he cares about these characters and cares about these weird, bizarre worlds and creatures and, and beings that he's made. Um, it's got really fun action. It's got good jokes. And I, I'll, I'll admit it. I cried a few times in this one. And it's, it's Why did you cry, to... Matt? Uh, because there is a lot of cute animals enduring terrible things in this movie. I will Aww. warn people out there. This maybe isn't a movie for young audiences. It's pretty violent. It's pretty, you know, intense in terms of, you know, having some really adorable animal characters 
suffer some pretty terrible stuff, um, unapologetically so in the movie. Um, well, that so makes me I, sad just hearing it. I know, but it makes for a good villain. It makes for someone you really want to see get punched in the face real hard. Um, so it's all so, worth it then. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I really enjoyed the movie, and part of that enjoyment is, you know, it is a really good villain that you're like, I hate this guy. I would like to see him get punched. <laughs> um, and there's some really good action, and you, you really have invested a lot in these characters, and you can feel that James Gunn, the writer-director, also has invested a lot in these characters in terms of care and love. I, I think that is one of the big things that I think people are going to come away from, that this movie is that there's just a lot of appreciation for these characters, a lot of love for trying to get them on the right path and get them in the right place to end the series at. Well, you know, you and Isaac both referred to the soundtrack. Any, anything in there that kind of made you go, Oh, this is kind of a cool song. Oh, plenty. Oh, the, the soundtrack's always great. There's a, there's a few really great needle drops. I don't want to spoil any of them in case that's, something somebody wants to, you know, be surprised by. But, yeah, there's some really tremendous needle drops in here that I think people are going to have a lot of fun. One of the best action movies in the movie has a really, really fun needle drop. So I I think people are going to have a really good time with this one, I think. And uh, it's a good way to start the summer because this is the first summer movie uh, of the year, technically. And I I think we're starting on a high note. Anything else coming up here in the next week? Big openings, because I know usually Memorial Day is the weekend where we've got it, but I, you said Guardians just dropped, so anything else here in the next week or two that they're going to sneak in a little bit before summer movie season officially begins? Yeah, next week is going to be a little quiet because you want to get out of the way of the impact of a Marvel movie, generally speaking. So next week is going to be Book Club, the, the movie with uh, Candace Bergen and Jane Fonda and the uh, four older friends going to Rome. Uh, but then the summer just keeps kind of cl- clicking on. We got Little Mermaid coming out this month. We have the new Fast and the Furious movie coming out this month. It does feel like a summer pre-pandemic style. Like we have pretty much something just about every weekend this summer in terms of big blockbusters. So a lot of reasons to go back to the theaters if you haven't been in a while. Well, I want to see Little Mermaid. I, I always love the the animated film. I have a feeling I'm also going to love the live action. Now, what about next year if this writer's strike continues? Are there going to be any movies, you know, going forward? Uh, we won't be impacted in terms of what we're seeing on our screens for probably at least a few months. I mean, most of the movie, a lot of movies are in the tin right now. They've been filmed. Right now they're in the editing situation. So uh, all the writing on st- uh, before shooting and during shooting has been done on those. But you might start noticing some issues on TV. That's where you might notice a little sooner, especially because a lot of the writers, I know the Abbott Elementary writers are are in on the strike. And uh, a bunch of shows that people love are are on it right now. And hopefully they can settle it soon. I mean, streaming has changed the game, and they haven't really changed how writers get paid for this new era of TV watching you know, uh, stuff like getting money through residuals and getting money through syndication. Well, what's syndicated anymore? You know, <laughs> what what gets syndicated in the streaming universe? So hopefully they can figure out these numbers. Hopefully they can figure out something that, you know, writers can make a livable wage. And, you know, we, we don't have a situation like in 2007 when, you know, we got really kind of desperate for media in some cases and a lot of movies got really poorly made. 
because there weren't any writers on staff to make it look good. Well, the sound thi- good. yeah, the thing is, I, I, with all the streaming, I am so far behind watching things. I won't notice it for a long time because I'll just <laughs> I'll just keep streaming things I haven't seen in the past. Hey, Matt, it's always great to hear from you, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for having me. Matt Miller from OnMilwaukee.com. It's 8.59, and coming up after the news, we're going to be talking about a controversy surrounding Bud Light. If you haven't heard about this, well, we'll go into a little bit of detail as to exactly what people are talking about. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Liddy Collins. Then later on this hour, we're going to be hearing from somebody who actually knows King Charles personally. Can't wait for that. Uh, we'll get Jessica here, though. Jessica, you know, I mentioned about uh, social media with you last hour. Have, and I guess, I, I don't know, maybe I'm not as with things as some people are, but you know, it was a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, that I started seeing these things about Bud Light and people not being happy with whatever. Are you familiar at all with that controversy? I have been keeping up with a little bit, yes. Yeah, okay. And what do you know about it? Uh, well, the last thing I heard is um, Bud Light is, I think, compensating some of their employees who have been affected by this and anyone who was kind of uh, the target, targeted by um, some of the hate, that, or maybe not hate, but um, negative responses backlash, backlash, backlash negative yeah. responses yeah, yeah, they're yeah. getting i i think they're they're trying to really take care of their employees anyone who is personally affected by this whether it's people working in the stores or in their production um and it all stemmed from uh the person they were um i guess feature i don't know if it was featuring in an ad or i they think it was one more of these of they got video, one of these yeah. social media gurus with you know millions of followers to yeah. become sort of a spokesperson. Yeah, didn't they? I think they, they sent um, the person like a personalized uh, Bud Light and then uh, they made a TikTok video about it, I think. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. What, what... And I don't understand TikTok, but that's me. Okay, anyway, um, anybody who's been on social media in the past few weeks is aware of that controversy surrounding Bud Light. And joining us is Brian Bennett from Store Advertising. He's worked for agencies for, well, that had Ad campaigns for Anheuser-Busch, Miller Coors, Heilemans, Strohs, and Brian, what's all this about? The largest beer brand in America, a $5 billion brand, Bud Light, and the VP of marketing over that brand, who was trying to appeal to younger adults, and in the process had entered into an influencer contract with this individual, Dylan Mulvaney, who is a transgender person who has like 5 million followers on TikTok. And so the strategy that they had was to associate with a number of individuals to appeal to their audience directly. In the process of doing that, this thing went viral and there was tremendous pushback by the people who drink Bud Light. The audience reacted quite negatively to it. And the long and short of it is within three weeks, their sales are down 26%. It's quite an event in the brewing world. Right. You mentioned Dylan Mulvaney, again, transgender social influencer. This couldn't have been a complete surprise. Wasn't there some controversy with Nike, Maybelline, and even Kate Spade in the past? Yeah, you know, and... Sometimes controversy isn't a bad thing. You know, everyone's allowed to their own space and Dylan can do whatever Dylan wants to do as far as most Americans are concerned, I'm quite sure. But this topic of transgenderism and whatnot does not sit well with all of America, right? There's a lot of people who are fine with people doing whatever they want to do. 
they don't want to be asked necessarily to accept it or endorse it, and they don't necessarily want to be associated with it. And I think there's some indication here that there's a lot of folks who drink Bud Light who don't want to be associated with that. Well, let's talk about how it started, because obviously with a client like Bud Light, there are a lot of people in on those meetings, but they seem to be taking it out on just one person. What's the idea behind that? Because obviously a lot of people signed off on it. Yes, but somebody somewhere had to drive that decision. And in an organization like that, you're right, there's a lot of people involved. But you have to also understand that the marketing world today is evolving rapidly. And back in the day, there wasn't the instant feedback on the internet that there is today. And also engagement like this, like this was not a big strategy for Bud Light. This was a little side deal, which they intended to be supportive of all audiences, I'm sure. They're not saying, hey, we're no longer for the working man. They're saying, hey, let's be inclusive of other audiences and points of view and that sort of thing with tiny little investments. The problem with this individual who's the VP of marketing there is that What she said in defending her actions when it started to explode is she goes, hey, you know, look at this is a brand on the decline. We have to reverse this image of bratty, out of touch humor that was appealing to frat boys and such. She came right out in the public with a disdain for the core audience. And they all basically said what Kid Rock said, which is words I can't use. Well, Bud Light did so well with Spuds McKenzie, that English bull terrier. When you say Bud Light, that's what I think of. Why get around something very neutral, who wouldn't love a dog, and move on to something where it just seemed like it was going to be controversial to some people. Well, I will tell you my personal opinion on this is that, well, yes, the world has changed. And what is in the popular discussion among especially a lot of younger people are social issues. And so maybe what you do is you go out there and display some sensitivity to those things, right? But you have to understand the mistake this woman made. 20% of the people drink 80% of the beer, okay? And of that 80%, 80% of them are males. It skews blue collar and it skews working man, right? Mm-hmm. So you're talking about pickup driving NASCAR fans who drink a lot of beer and who go out of their way every day probably to display their masculinity. And when they bond with a brand in the beer industry, a brand is a badge. You say, okay, I'm defined by the beer that I drink. Bud has always been playful, yes, somewhat masculine, yes. So guys could drink a light beer and not be perceived like somehow their masculinity is somewhat impugned by their brand choice, right? So now there's that association, and these guys can't live with it. Now, the good news for Milwaukee is while Bud Light is down 26%, Coors Light and Miller Light are up 26%. Go figure. (laughs) And that's a good place to end this on. Brian Bennett from Stir Advertising. It's always great to talk with you. Well, thank you. You know, Isaac, uh, Brian just said that uh, young people will will choose their products based on, you know, various social issues. Do you think about social issues when you're ordering a beer? Not when I'm ordering a beer. Exactly. Exactly. You're not thinking about it. When you order a beer, you're not thinking, oh, well, now, does this beer support this or whatever? You just want a nice... But I'm also just, not going for Bud Light anyway. Yeah, but you want to quench your thirst. I'm a PBR man. Oh, one of those guys. I still love Spuds McKenzie. All right. Thank you, Isaac. It is 914. You're just a couple minutes away from Dominic Catronio and Sports right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. From Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky, the 149th Kentucky Derby has its new champion. Major take of the lead here. Is it coming to the final 16th? And it is going to 
Larry Colmas on NBC with the call. Next up, it's the Preakness Stakes in two weeks on May 20th. Now over to the Brewers. They cannot catch a break right now. They have lost six consecutive games. Saturday falling by a 4-1 to final to the Giants. In this game, manager Craig Council was ejected for the second time this season. He took a moment after the game to reflect on just this streak. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, we've got to do a better job. We're not scoring runs. We're not scoring enough runs. So the the defensive, you know, everything's got to be perfect kind of on the other areas. And, and it just has we haven't been. So the offense, you know, we all areas can help. Certainly offense taking a little pressure off the other areas is, is a way to get some wins. The Brewers finish their series with the Giants today. First pitches at 3.15. Our coverage will start at 2 o'clock with Brewers warm-up. Two NBA playoff games yesterday. First, the Heat took control of their series against the Knicks, a 105-86 victory. Miami now leads that series two games to one. And out in Los Angeles, the Lakers flash a little bit of showtime at the end of the half. Russell to inbound it. Got it into AD. Driving to the rim. In! And the Lakers lead by double digits at halftime. Los Angeles 59. Golden State 48. John Ireland on the call for Lakers Radio. L.A. now leads with a 2-1 series advantage after a 127-97 victory. Today, you got two more playoff games. First, the Celtics and the 76ers in Philly. Boston currently leading that series 2-1. That game tips at 2-30. And then tonight at 7 o'clock, it'll be the Phoenix Suns hosting the Nuggets trying to level that series. Denver leads 2-1. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. Uh, just talking here off the air. Uh, you know, well, I'm going to wait. There's something that happened with that coronation yesterday that reminded me of a pop star. I, I Just, we'll talk about that a little, eh, probably about 20 minutes from now. All right, it is uh, pretty nice out there today. It's going to feel like summer. We're going to get into the 70s. I'll have your forecast right after this. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News, 919 and 62 degrees at WTMJ. Well, it's really good. Taste of summer today. It's going to be mostly sunny. High of 76. Now, what's going to happen a little bit later on this afternoon, it's going to get a lot cooler, especially near the lake, and we do have a chance of some showers and storms later on in the day. And Now, tonight will be mostly cloudy. We're going to have patchy fog. Again, a chance of those, uh, those showers and down to 46 degrees. Tomorrow, cloudy showers and 56. And then warming up again on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Tuesday, we're going to get back into the lower to mid-60s under sunny skies. And Wednesday, uh, reaching up to about 70 Thursday, we'll actually get into the mid-70s, and all three days are going to be sunny and nice. Right now, as you're waking up around Wisconsin on this Sunday morning, if you're headed out to one of the lakes, maybe a little boating today, 60 degrees in Elkhart Lake, uh, Muskego is 67, Lake Geneva's at 68, 64 degrees at WTMJ at 922. The following is a paid presentation. Advice and opinions expressed during the Sunday sip are solely that of the hosts or guests and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. Hi, I'm Teresa Nemitz of Milwaukee Food and City Tours. Today we're joined by John, the owner of Sherwood's Fabulous Fudge. Thanks so much, John, and welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So when people think about fudge, their minds probably go north to Mackinac Island, since that claims to be the fudge capital of the world. But Sherwood's Fabulous Fudge got started closer to home in Racine. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you and your wife, Holly Ann, first got started in the fudge business? 
Oh, I'd be glad to. Um, actually, Holly's kind of started it. Uh, she started by making fudge for our neighbors in the neighborhood for block parties and stuff like that. And folks just couldn't have enough of it and said, well, let's get this on the road. Get it in the stores and see how it goes. So that's how it all started with the dark chocolate walnut and then uh, kind of spiraled from there. So I know a little bit about making fudge, and I know that your key ingredients are chocolate, cream, butter, and sugar, right? Uh, But one of the things that I love about what you're doing with your fudge is that you feature so many other food producers and small business owners to make some really unique fudge flavors. Why don't you tell me a little bit about who you're featuring in your fudge and what those flavors are? We pride ourselves as a Wisconsin company using other Wisconsin companies for our products, which would be uh, producers, uh, farmers, or what have you. If it's uh, somebody keeping a beehive, somebody growing the products right in their garden, or what have you. Everything we do is Wisconsin-based, and that's what we really, really pride ourselves in. And uh, flavors are unique flavors, like uh, our honey comes from uh, Elkhorn and Big Ben. Our alcohol is come from right right in Milwaukee here, the Zobox are there, and Door County Distillery for our whiskeys, Yahara Bay Distillery out in Dane County by Madison, that's our moonshine fudge, and uh, we really utilize as many Wisconsin companies as we can. 98% of all of our products come from another Wisconsin company. Now, for myself, being that we offer food tours in Milwaukee, a lot of times people will come to me and ask me what my favorite restaurant is, and that's the hardest question for me to be able to answer. So I'm going to turn the tables and I'm going to ask you, what are your favorite flavors of fudge that you love to be able to enjoy and eat? Well, out of our 71 flavors that we normally make all the time, we do do uh, 85 flavors for the state fair. Um, my favorite would be the uh, uh, pecan cluster with the caramel bits, that's a very, very good one. And also the uh, the whiskey fudge, the Dorokani whiskey. So in case you just joined us, our special guest is John from Sherwood's Fabulous Fudge, one of the great makers of Wisconsin-made products. I know that you sell your fudge flavors at farmer's markets as well as different fairs and festivals in the state. But you mentioned the Wisconsin State Fair. I know I've seen you personally at the Products Pavilion at the fair. So how did that first evolve? How did you start selling at the fair? Actually, Jill from the State Fair kind of got a hold of us, uh, just kind of approached us to see us somewhere or heard of us and then came, came to us. And that's how it all started. That was um, about six, seven years ago now. And you said that you sell about 85 flavors at the State it's Fair. State Fair, yep. On your website, you do have the whole entire list of all those flavors. What are the most popular ones? Is there one flavor that is just that standout? It's always the unique flavor of the year. Okay. So that at the state fair. So this year will be a dill pickle fudge, and then the, uh, of course, we'll have the special um, maple, bacon, and chocolate fudge combination. So those, very those will good. be very good. I thought for sure that you were going to say the Wisconsin old-fashioned fudge. That (laughs) That sounds so delicious. You cannot believe the following on that. (laughs) And I know that you had mentioned Soul Boxer and some of the other Milwaukee-made products that are incorporated Mm -hmm. into the flavors. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the new flavors or the new things that you have kind of on your mind? Uh, Like you say, the brandy old-fashioned, that's always a hit here. Um, And then it does have everything inside of brandy old-fashioned in that fudge. And we, two years ago, at the state fair that was our number one seller okay so that was good good. our overall seller though is the secret turtle pecan that's our that's really a that's a medium chocolate pecans caramel and a dash just a dash of sea salt that's really a top-notch seller so what kind of festivals are you going to be at this summer in case our listeners want to be able to find you out in the community well of course we'll be at a lot of county fairs a lot of craft fairs, um, and you could, of course, you could always go to our website. Um, you visit your, your um, 
offerings, and we can also um, it's a lot of local stores, coffee shops, and stuff like that, wineries that also carry our our products as well. Um, and there's always that contact us page if that you want to put in your store. Well, and I should mention that I love personally your dark chocolate raspberry fudge, and that is included in our 12 Days of Mom box. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and so we'll have a link on our website at milwaukeefoodtours.com with details about how you can purchase that gift box for all the moms and aunts and sisters in your life. Anything else that we should know about Sherwood's fabulous fudge before we go? Sure. What makes us unique is we make everything by hand. It's hand-stirred, hand-laid, hand-cut hand package, everything's done by hand. We actually utilize a commercial kitchen with inside of a homeless shelter, and that actually the money that we pay for rent there is actually the money that they use to provide special projects and programs for the clients that are within there. Also, another thing that we do is unique, too, is we help a lot of folks get back on their feet. What I mean by that is a lot of folks that come off of incarceration. We help them. We're their first job. We're the ones who can give the resume for their next job. We're the leg of them getting back into the world. Great. Well, thanks so much, John, for joining us today. If you go to MilwaukeeFoodTours.com, we'll put links on there for where to find Sherwood's Fabulous Fudge, as well as how you can join us on a tour to meet other makers and delicious products uh, from the state of Wisconsin. I know that you have so many fudge flavors, so be sure to go and check out Sherwood's Fabulous Fudge at local farmers markets or, like I mentioned, at the Wisconsin State Fair. I know that there are a lot of restaurant owners and food producers that we love to feature on our tours and in our gift boxes, so we'll be sure to put all those links on our website at MilwaukeeFoodTours.com. 9.36. Yeah, I, Jessica, I know earlier you said you didn't watch any of the coronation, right? Right. Yeah. I, you know, I can't help it. I just can't help myself. I, You know, I, I watched Princess Diana and... And Charles get married years and years ago, and, and, and I was hooked ever since. So all these royal events I always watch. Now, I, I have to admit, I did not get up early yesterday to watch it. I just sort of, you know, played it back last night. But I know when they were, there was something going on when I walked in to the kitchen yesterday on the, on the TV where they had just put the crown on King Charles. And I knew not everybody feels the same way as I do when my husband walked in and said, I can't believe it's not butter, but I digress. So I asked you a little bit earlier, do you know what King Charles has in common with a certain pop star? That's a good question. Is is this a current pop star or like a former pop star? It's a pop star. It's it's, 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 it's a pop star. (laughs) So if you didn't, if you didn't watch yesterday, I, so like I said, I was watching it last night and you know, it's a big ceremony, all the processions and all this stuff. And I love the hats. Gotta love the hats. And uh, you know, I I think maybe some of those people got on a plane and went to the Kentucky Derby right after that. I was just going to say, it was a weekend of hats. it, It was a, it was a big hat weekend, but at one point during the coronation, and I know it's a religious ceremony and all this stuff, but they took a glove, a bedazzled glove, oh. and they put it on King Charles' hand. And I was waiting for the second glove, and it never came. And he just sort of put his hand up, and it reminded me of this. Michael Jackson, the king of pop. I mean, apparently, if you're, if you're a king, you get one glove. You don't get two. You just get one. Wow. And it's got to be bedazzled. Oh, even, even bedazzled. Wow. That's... Yeah, it was it was a bedazzled glove. Anyway, so I was kind of 
kind of entertained myself. But anyway, you know, millions of people did watch the coronation of King Charles yesterday. And I did have the opportunity to speak with historian and best-selling author Philippa Gregory about the event fit for a king. Knowing him, and I have met him personally a couple of times, he's he's a real modernizer. And he's very, very aware that this is not a country at the pinnacle of imperial wealth or at the, even the start of imperial wealth as, as the royal family are in my book, Dawnlands. He's very, very conscious of the need to economize and of the need to give the British people the sense of unity and tradition at the same time as not throwing money at it. So I think it's going to be a shorter coronation. I think it's going to be more modest than previous coronations, but I imagine it will have some degree, it must have quite a substantial degree of pageantry and the sort of theatre of monarchy. Because basically, if you don't have that, then what's the point of having a king or a queen at all? You know, you've got to have the pomp and circumstance now and then. And one, of course white leather glove that was bedazzled. Well, Philippa then opened up a little bit more about King Charles. He's really charming. I mean, the occasions that I've seen him have been very pleasant social events, so why wouldn't he be charming? But he's very open. He's, on occasions, disastrously frank about his opinions. It makes you feel very trusted because he is so open. And he's very much like the men of his generation, sort of English aristocrats of his generation. You know, he loves the countryside. He loves nature. He has a terrific sensibility for landscape and, you know, the natural world, which we see in his conservation work. And he's just a very, very straightforward, charming person. Very easy to talk to, a real pleasure. I then asked Philippa what, well, how she thinks King Charles will do. See, I think it depends a lot on how the next few months unfold. I mean, I think Charles King Charles is prepared for this role for all his life. I think he's going to do everything he can to make sure the transition from his very, very much beloved mother to himself. And he's a much more controversial figure than the Queen ever was. And I think it really depends how the years after the coronation goes in how things play out over the next few months. It's certainly a very, very interesting time to be observing the royal family. But just think about it, Jessica. Here he was, his first job, he's 74 years old. He was sitting around all these years waiting, living with his parents, basically. First job, wow. Yeah, yeah, first, <laughs> first job at 74. All right, uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes, I also asked Philippa Gregory about the proverbial elephant in the room, Prince Harry, right after this. How apropos playing king, playing queen. Jessica, did you happen to see Katy Perry at the coronation looking for her seat? I did not, but I hear something with a, her having a big hat. Oh, oh and... huge, <laughs> huge hat. It was like a, yeah, okay. it was like a discus. <laughs> it, was, it was very pretty. It was all pink. But the funny thing was she couldn't find her seat in the church, and she looked very, very confused. Um, and, and, you know, when I talked with author Philippa Gregory about the differences of being a king a few hundred years ago versus today, she had this to say. If they have a whim, then the country jumps to it and everybody changes and everybody has to change. Or if they have a bad day, they can execute people. Whereas if King Charles has a whim, 
literally nothing happens. It must be tremendously frustrating. Less happens if he has a whim about something than if I do, because at least I can say to my nearest and dearest, I don't want to do that anymore. And they all go like, yeah, okay, you don't have to do it. He says, I don't want to do it anymore. They go like, heavens, we've got to change arrangements for 300 people. Are you, you know, you'd better do it. It's extraordinary how the tyrannical power has been replaced by a real, real concept of duty. You know, when she said that about executing people back then, you kind of think, gee, if it were today, I wonder whose head would be rolling. Uh, and, and speaking of that, well, she also had something to say about Prince Harry writing that book and exposing all that royal dirty laundry. Uh, I don't, you know, I cannot speak for him or even to him. I don't know what he was thinking. There is a lot of anxiety that he is indiscreet and cause bad feeling between him and the royal family who have stayed in place. It's one thing to say you want to live a private life and go and live your private life, and that's absolutely reasonable, and he has every right to do that, and it, it doesn't, in a sense, matter that much. That's fine. But it's another thing if there's subsequent indiscretions and criticisms of the royal family. It's very painful for the royal family and for royalists. Those of us who are a little bit neutral, it's really rather surprising. I mean, it, it isn't what you expect to happen. And Philippa Gregory is best known for her book, The Other Bolin Girl. Her latest book is Donlins. It's 946. We're coming up in just a minute to Sports with Dominic Catronio right here on WTMJ. Everything that can go wrong has gone wrong for the Brewers over this six-game losing streak after falling 4-1 to to the Giants on Saturday. This time, Craig Council was ejected in Saturday's game after arguing one of the new rules. He took a moment after the game. What feels like every single loss has been a close game that the Brewers have been in. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's normal. Close games, uh, play here or there, um, have, has been part of a lot of these games. Um, but that's that's a that's a baseball season and that's a baseball game, and um, so we just got to do a little bit better. The finale of this road trip is today at three fifteen. Our coverage will start at two o'clock out west with Brewers warm up. Giants will go with Ross Stripling, the Brewers, with Adrian Hauser. A pair of NBA playoff games on Saturday. First, out in Miami, it was the Heat hosting the Knicks. Winner would take a one-game advantage. You know what Jimmy Butler was trying to do. Now on a switch, Robinson against Butler. Leaning in, Butler's foul, banks it in! His first points of the quarter, he has 12 now. The call from Dave Pash on ESPN. The Heat dominate the Knicks 105-86, to and now they take a 2-1 series advantage. Jimmy Butler finished with 28 points despite the Heat only shooting 39% from the floor. Also on Saturday, out west, the Lakers took a 2-1 series lead, defeating the Warriors 127-97. Today you got two more games. The Celtics visiting the 76ers, Boston holding a 2-1 advantage there. And tonight, the Nuggets visiting the Suns, also holding Denver a 2-1 lead. And of course, the 149th Kentucky Derby has come and gone. Hope you got your ticket right. Larry Collins on the call on NBC. Mage wins the Kentucky Derby. Now we'll keep an eye on him for the Preakness coming up in two weeks. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Yeah, Dominic, my horse is still running. 
Maybe you'll come in sometime this afternoon. All right, it's uh, 9.49, 72 degrees. It's going to be a beautiful day out there. We'll have your forecast right after this. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It's going to be mostly sunny today. We do have a chance of some showers a little bit later on. High is 76. Now, it is going to be a lot cooler near the lake. Then tonight, cloudy, patchy fog, another chance of some storms, and down to 46. Tomorrow, a little bit on the chilly side, cloudy, another chance of showers, only 56 for a high, but we're going to warm up by Tuesday under mostly sunny skies, 65 inland, 60 near the lake. Wednesday, we'll get up to around 70, and on Thursday, getting back into the mid-70s. And a little bit cooler near the lake. But you knew that, right? Cedarburg's at 67. Oak Creek has 69. Brookfield's at 68. We have 72 degrees at WTMJ at 953. Well, Mel Ricks is not only a personality on our sister station, The Truth, but she's also a game, an in-game host for the Milwaukee Bucks. I talked with Mel about games four and five during the playoffs. You mentioned game four. You really felt... A change. Yes. And we know now mm-hmm. that Coach Bud had lost yes. his brother just hours yes. before that game. Was there anything that you saw that you thought to yourself, boy, this just doesn't seem mm-hmm. normal? I could just feel that there was a shift and I didn't understand what was causing it. I never want to be the kind of person who says, someone wants it more or they're not trying hard enough because who are we to say that? I always believe that that person, that individual, that team gave it all that they could. And so when what we were giving wasn't enough, I'm like, there's something else going on because I'm like, we're better than this Miami Heat team, but we were playing as if we didn't feel that way. And so I could tell that there was something missing. And you can hear more from Mel Ricks when she joins me at 11 o'clock this morning on WTMJ Conversations. It's 9.54. And, of course, coming up after the news, it's the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian and David Wickard. And I thought of both of you on Friday when those interest rates were raised for, is that the 10th time? I mean, it, it, it seems like every week we hear about another raise in, in interest rates. But how is this going to affect the rates that people are getting for mortgages? Well, you'll be surprised to know, Libby, that 30-year fixed rates actually went down after the Fed announced their most recent quarter percent rate. Why was that, David? Well, anytime that markets or market participants do exactly what they say they were going to do, markets breathe a sigh of relief. And and in this case, rates came down a little bit because the Fed did exactly what they said they were going to do. And also said, hey, you know what, or at least... The market interpreted Chair Jerome Powell as as, uh, communicating that, you know what, we're probably going to just pause now for a while and see what our prior 10 rate increases uh, did. So, you know, we say it all the time on the show, you know, the Fed only has control of one interest rate, which is the rate that uh, banks pay overnight to borrow money. So it's they don't have a big knob on on their, you know, office door that says 30-year fixed rate. 30-year fixed rates are market-driven, and so there's a hope that inflation, you know, is going to continue to ebb down. David, you have something to say? Well, what I was going to say was the prime rate is now at <clears throat> eight and a quarter. Ooh. So, so some of this is the Fed is saying, we're going to pause because we need to see how that impacts things. Yeah. Can I ask, so can prime, I ask a question, Brian? Yeah, 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 sure. If you were buying a home right now, would you get a fixed rate or would you 
say I'm going to get an adjustable just to see what's going to happen? Well, here's the weird thing. Uh, because short-term interest rates are actually higher than long-term interest rates, okay? The arms aren't any better than the fixed, or they're only like a quarter percent better than a 30-year fixed rate in most cases. Mm -hmm. So for that, you know, little amount of money, I, you know, I'd probably go with a fixed with very low closing costs because I am of the belief that mortgage rates will come down. Can I say I it another exactly way, Dad? That yeah. Libby, I think what you're alluding to is, hey, payment savings, mm -hmm. right, between fixed and ARM. But I think what we are, you know, guiding or showing clients, your payment savings is tens of dollars. It's more about figuring out a game plan to save the hundreds or thousands of dollars in closing costs. Because if we all believe that rates might come down one year, two year, shorter six than months. that, maybe six months, right? You, the by saving the chunk of money up front, that's more worth it than the risk of the tens of dollars in payment. That's a good way to say it, David. Because you know uh, when you pay closing costs, you know, let's say you pay extra money to get a lower rate, whether it's on an adjustable rate mortgage or a fixed. Once you close, that money's gone. Yeah. You can't get that back. And so what we're all about is educating our clients and showing them side by side. You know, here's, do you remember the old, let's make a deal? I bet you do. Door number one, <laughs> door number two, and door number three. You remember yeah. that, right, Libby? Oh, I do. Monty I think Hall. it's still on, actually. What? Okay, I got to yeah, find that. Not, anyway. with Mon not with Monty Hall, unfortunately. No, I think yeah. he's probably dead. <laughs> we'll look that up. Hey, we got all that and stories from the front lines of mortgage lending to share with our audience coming up right after the news. And we'll be listening to Brian and David Wickard on the Agonet Mortgage and Realty Show. I'll be back at 11 on uh, WTMJ Conversations.